This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, my fellow listeners, and welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses. I am your host, Steve Eschbach. I am a business owner myself. I own a uh, franchise here in Chicagoland called Transworld Business Advisors. I am one of seven in the local area, and I am also one of about 250 that are global, meaning they're here in the U.S. and 15 other countries abroad. Our job is to work with business owners and help them confidentially sell their businesses and match them up with qualified buyers. In addition to that, we also uh, do franchise sales. We occasionally run into an executive in transition or another individual who might be looking to purchase a franchise. We can do that. And we also do franchise development for those businesses out there that wish to expand via the uh, franchise model our uh, parent company, United Franchise Group, owns Sinorama and other subsidiary companies, and they have been involved in more than 1,000 businesses that are franchises in their 35 to 40-year history. So with that as a backdrop uh, regarding me, I'm delighted to have Ryan Cote, who is the Director of Digital Services and Partner at Ballantyne. We're going to talk a little bit about direct mail and digital marketing. And one of the things that stands out with uh, Ryan that uh, intrigues me and hope intrigues you as my listeners is that he is a third-generation family-owned business owner. And I find many times I run into business owners that can't get to the next level in their family, but for him to get to three generations, he is the third generation owner. I think that's going to be exciting to talk about as well. So Ryan, first of all, thank you so much for your time. Welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Yeah, thanks a lot. Happy, happy to be here. Excited to talk to you. Yeah, we were talking moments ago. This is only your 85th or 90th uh, podcast. So uh, you and I can go through this almost seamlessly, which I hope <laughs> will be the case. But in any event, tell us about Ballantine. Uh, it's a business that you're in now. Tell me about your organization, what it is that you primarily do to help business owners and how your team is set up. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. So Ballantine goes back to the mid 60s. My great uncle, who actually recently passed away, started the company in 1966. And back then it was print and ship type work. So you get a brochure for a something like you know a trade show or whatever, and you get it printed and shipped to your office. And then over the years, we evolved to print and mail, so direct mail, uh, adding copy and design, and then the latest evolution you know, all digital marketing. So SEO, you know, search engine optimization, paid search, social media content. So we've got a direct mail division and then we have the digital marketing division, two different audiences on the direct mail side. We work with very large companies that do a lot of mail and just need, need our support. Um, and then on the digital side, it's mostly small businesses, not like a solopreneur. 
you know, maybe, you know, 10 to 30 employees. We have some that are bigger, but just generalizing right now, manufacturers, industrial contractors, those types of companies that need leads and they use us, you know, our team basically plug into their business. So how big is your team, Ryan? Uh, it's you as the uh, director and partner. So that you're one of the leadership members. How many more are on your leadership team and how many are in your total group? Yeah, there's 18 of us total. And uh, in terms of partners, it's me, my two brothers, and my uncle who are partners in the agency. Um, and so, you know, and we've got my cousins there too, doing sales. So there's five Cotes. Uh, we've had my other cousins interning. And so, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, we, and we actually... At the time of this recording, we closed down our office. Now we're fully remote with a small like satellite office in a place called Morristown, New Jersey. Yeah. So we've got a, a cool co-working space for now for five of us to go in. That's actually once we're done recording, I'm going to head into the office. And uh, so everyone's remote now, which they're very happy. I've got my home office here, as you can see behind me. And we've got a small little office. So it's, it's crazy how things have changed, but it's been great. Yeah, everyone's very happy. All right, we're going to get more into that in a moment, but I have to rewind the videotape and I don't think there's going to be much deviation from what you already talked about. So typically I would ask you to tell me, A, where you were born and raised and what type of family influence you had to get you to where you are today. Being a third generation business owner, it's fairly obvious that your family had a huge influence about where you are today. But tell me a little bit about your childhood when you were a younger kid. You know, were you pedaling your bicycle on the local street saying, you know what, I'm going to be a, a digital and direct mail advertising <laughs> executive. I'm sure there was something else going in your mind back then. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. So I come from a family of, of entrepreneurs, though I had two jobs outside of college. I went to school for marketing um, and I had two other jobs, uh, one in a place called Crest Hill, New Jersey, and then one job in New York City. So I had two jobs before I went into the family business. They were both in marketing and actually they were interestingly enough, kind of related to direct mail on the mailing list side. So I, I didn't have plans of going into the family business, at least maybe subconsciously I did, but you know, I had two other jobs. And so, and then I got the bug when my brother um, joined my middle brother, Matt. And I was like, you know, it'd be kind of cool to work for the family business. Uh, I started thinking about it and they had no marketing person. So it just made sense. It was like a natural fit for me to step in. But going back to like when I was I mean, definitely college, I think high school, I've always had interest in selling things, building things, teaching myself. I mean, I, I could just rattle off a bunch of stuff. Like I had an eBay store, I had an e-commerce store selling piano lamps. I don't play piano, just a random thing. You know, I did affiliate marketing. I taught myself SEO. I wrote an ebook. I remember my first, my first job out of college, I had to leave super early and I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning, get on my computer back in the day. That was like very slow, not the computers nowadays. And uh, I'd be typing on my ebook. It was a healthy book that I wanted to sell and build a funnel. So just going back, I mean, there's more stories than that, but I just naturally gravitated towards selling things, building things, digital marketing. And it's just, you know, here I am today. Yeah, tell me a little bit. You, you tell me a little bit about your corporate experience. And the reason why I ask that question is because many of the business owners that I encounter are former corporate executives. I myself have done uh, investor relations with a number of publicly traded companies, and uh, now I'm a full fledged business owner. So you had a dabble in a couple of, of executive roles with corporations, correct? It wasn't an entrepreneurial stop. So that sounds like it was short lived, and you decided, you know, it's time to get back into the entrepreneurial world. What experiences did you have in your corporate life that kind of said, you know what, I think I really need to get back to help the family business? Or was Yeah, that you know, and that's another good question because I had a realization a while back that I never, so the two companies I worked for outside of college, they were very similar to Ballantyne in size, 
you know, actually both are family businesses. I've never had like the large corporation with a mentor, with a boss who has a boss and they've got 20 years of experience and I'm, they're mentoring me. I've, I actually never went through that. The two jobs I had outside of college were, like I said, similar to Ballantyne. Fortunately, I'm fairly self-reliant and just, I'm like, you know, I'm always consuming content, always teaching myself something, but it would have been cool to have that big corporation experience with a mentor, which never, just never went down that path. No, no regrets. It's just the way things worked out. Well, good for you. Congratulations on that. So there's a few items here on your uh, your little cheat sheet here that I want to go through, but I also want to focus in on how your family has survived three generations. And we'll get into that toward the end. But okay. here's a question that I think every one of us often uh, wrestle with is how do you integrate print and digital marketing? And there are many out there that won't even attempt to do digital or I should say won't even attempt to do print or direct mail. And some will just focus on just doing the digital or SEO optimization. Tell me how you integrate the two. And is it really dependent on the size of the business? I think you had mentioned that the larger the business, the more they focus in on direct mail, the smaller tend to go to the digital and the online. But maybe there's a way to incorporate both. So maybe you can tell me how to do that. Yeah, I think with with the larger companies, they've got just much larger budgets. And when you're trying to maximize your budget, you've got all these channels, direct mail, digital. And we, we look at digital, there's just you know dozens of channels beneath that. And so I think a, natu- a larger company, they just have a larger budget. So they're naturally going to be able to explore all channels, at least test direct mail. Direct mail can be a little more expensive because you have the print cost, the mail cost, the postage, but it's got its pros for sure. But even with a smaller company, so our, some of our small business digital clients, they still do direct mail. So like postcards, for example, yeah. six by nine oversized postcard, you know, it's, it, you can print that very inexpensively and then add that in. So we have one client who's a contractor and we do all their digital marketing for lead generation. And then every quarter, they'll just send out a postcard, just canvassing a certain area to try to get leads for a kitchen remodel or what have you. And it works for them. And so they've got the budget for it. And they're, you know, they're very reliant on digital because it works for them, but you know, getting in someone's mailbox where there's maybe, you know, six competing pieces of mail versus your inbox where there's, I mean, hundreds, thousands or whatever. So it's very yin and yang. We're very fortunate nowadays where we have all this technology where you can integrate print and digital. So for example, you know, obviously email is one easy, obvious example. So you've got, you know, your mailing list with postage and email, you can send out a postcard and then an email to the same people. And so people that are getting the postcard are also going to get your email but then thanks to like Facebook and, and social and like LinkedIn, you've got the matching technology. So you can upload the email list to link to Facebook, find the matches, and now you're running ads to those same people. So the people that are getting the postcard are also getting your email, are also getting your Facebook ad in their newsfeed. Um, so there's different ways. LinkedIn, you can do that as well. You can upload a mailing list, find the matches, and then show ads. So there's a lot of options now. I, I can give you more, but there's like, I think the most tangible easiest, like low-hanging fruit for people listening. Now, I think the key takeaway from what you're saying, and uh, I'm going to paraphrase it, you correct me if I'm wrong, is that you need multiple touches. So it sounds like your digital and your direct mail pieces may be one and the same, or are they a little bit different? Because I know, and I wrote a book, my first book talked about that the sales usually occur in the eighth touch. Mm-hmm. meaning you need to reach out eight times before you finally get their attention and they might engage you to perhaps sell. And what I'm hearing you say is that you have postcard mailing, which may be some component of direct mail. You've got the email marketing. All of that is probably delivering the same message, but you're instilling into your prospective client a message that resonates. Am I right about that? 
Yeah, I'd say you're right. Usually it's all, all, all consistent messaging. You also have to keep in mind too that some people won't pay attention to the postcard, but they might see the email or they might see the Facebook feed, uh, the Facebook, the ad in their Facebook feed. You can also layer in re- retargeting. So when they hit your website, they leave and they see your banner ad. So there's ways to like interlock all these different channels. But yeah, usually the consistent messaging is is helpful because you want that, like you said, the, the multiple touch points because someone might not be ready at right now, but they might be ready in two months. Right. And so the timing, you know, it's sales. It's, it's really timing is everything. So yeah. And reminders are often critical too, because the so-called top of mind is a critical element for us to be successful as business owners, right? Yeah, exactly. So you have a, a bullet here talking about the five ways to drive leads with digital marketing. Is that something you can summarize real quick and maybe give specific examples of such? Yeah. So the five ways, it really comes down to the channels. Um, and so, you know, search engine optimization, and I, I can go, I can go very deep into SEO if you want tips on, on that. Cause it's like, that's actually what I started off in my, uh, my early days teaching myself that, but don't get into um, the details now. Otherwise I won't be able to call you back for another edition. So <laughs> save that for our next episode, but go ahead. And we could do a whole episode on Google maps alone. So, um, yeah, SEO and Google ads, two different channels, one and two, uh, they're very keyword driven Well, they are keyword driven. So you've got, you know, keywords that your potential buyers are using and you, you want to get in front of them with your website or your ads. And so search engine optimization basically means optimizing your site for organic search. So you're showing up in the search results, Google advertising, um, that's bidding on keywords. So you know what your buyers are using as keywords, and then you bid in those keywords and your ad shows up when they search. You know, social media, obviously, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, it depends on what your, depends what your buyers are, you know, who your buyers are. Facebook tends to be more B2C, LinkedIn more B2B, but not always, you have to test. Both have very strong advertising platforms now. LinkedIn used to not be that way, but with Microsoft buying them years ago, it's gotten a lot better. And so you got to test. They have they all have different ad types that you can run from remarketing to just standalone ads to uploading your mailing list. Those video ads, image ads, there's a lot of different ways to do it. So LinkedIn and Facebook would be uh, three and four. And then the fifth way, and I guess I'll give you a sixth way too, is email. I should, I should, I should mention email. Um, content creation. Content creation is huge right now. Um, you can argue that content is SEO because it is because you're optimizing the content for organic search. But content's big right now, Steve, because Google's job is to answer questions and content like blogs. Their main purpose is to answer questions. And so we're seeing a lot of blogs rank, especially with like their featured snippets that they now offer. And just like people frequently ask the section, you know, the, the search results of Google is changing so much that you know, a piece of content can rank in different ways. And then obviously email. Emails, you know, if you've got an email list, you should be emailing regularly. We personally at Valentine, we email twice a month. That's just the cadence that we've chosen every two weeks. But you need to get in front of your prospects and your uh, clients with not just pounding them in the face with sales pitches, but you know, providing value, providing content, industry news, you know, asking for a quote, asking for the order, all that kind of blend into one. That's sort of our approach. Yeah. And one of the things I heard you say, Ryan, is that it seems to be changing and it's never constant. It's never stagnant and right. you know, with, with anything. Okay. And you could even go down just even video production. You know, you go back to the, you know, reel to reel to VHF. I mean, that, that's kind of a silly example, but it shows you that that changes over time. But I yeah. think with digital marketing and online presence, the proliferation of social media, I think that's more dynamic and that changes more rapidly. My point being is that that's something you really have to monitor on a regular basis. And for a small business, 
they may not have the internal resources to manage it like you and your colleagues can do. Is that correct? It is. It's it's so ever changing. I mean, at the time it's recording, uh, everyone listening, if your website has dropped in organic uh, suddenly, it's probably because you got hit by the page experience update that Google just released, where they're looking at your load speed, how much your website shifts. Can I give a tool? I can give a tool if everyone absolutely. Okay, um, we're not affiliated with it. Just uh, it's a tool that measures what Google's looking at right now. Uh, it's called GT Metrics, uh, GT, so Gary, Thomas, and then Metrics, but not C at the end and X. And run your site through that. It's a free tool, and it's going to show you scores at the top, and you want all the scores to be green. If it's all red, you probably got hit by the page experience update. So the tool looks at your load speed, how much your site shifts. Google doesn't like that now, I guess. you know Things change. And so you want to get your scores to green. That'll help if you get hit by the update. Well, green is everything. Red is terrible. So that's good to know. But, you know, to your point, I never would have imagined there's a tool out there that's free that you can use to your website to monitor how it is. And I I would imagine that many small business owners are going to be overwhelmed. Even if they do that tool, they're going to say, oh, my goodness, look at all this red. They're not going to be able to respond to that. I mean, that's something that you and your colleagues are uh, on top of day in and day out. I mean, that's your right. business. Your business is to maximize direct mail, to maximize digital marketing. That's what you're focusing in on day to day. Someone who's uh, an online retailer, that's not their main focus. No, yeah. There's so many layers to this. Like, you know, with the website work, trying to speed it up, you've got to get a developer that knows the platform you're on. Is it WordPress? Is it Squarespace? Um, and then what to do to fix the red, get to get it to green. Yeah, you have to, I guess, stay in your lane. Everyone's got an expertise. So yeah. So, just one other item here. There's so many on your bullet list. I want to go through them all, but I just can't possibly do this. But here's a bullet point that interests me. What are the five effective paid online advertising strategies? And is it related to what you already said or is it something a little different? Yeah, it's pretty related. Um, it's really, I guess the point I want to make, you know, with looking at Google advertising, there's different ways to take advantage of Google ads. And, and maybe everyone listening to this already knows this, but for those that don't, I just want to get across the point that with Google advertising, and let's not forget about Bing too, you know, we don't do a lot with Bing advertising, but it is an option. Um, even DuckDuckGo advertising. So the search engine platforms and the social media platforms, they all offer their own advertising, even like TikTok and Reddit you know, those platforms. So all these, that's the way, the way they're monetizing their business. And so there's a way for you to find your audience, depending on who, who your buyer is, there's likely a platform that you can take advantage of. Google is like the natural choice because they've been around forever. It's keyword driven. So someone has a need, they're going to Google, they're searching for what they need help with. Um, and then within Google, you've got, you know, you can bid on keywords, you can run shopping, shopping ads if you're e-commerce, you could do remarketing, which means someone leaves your site and, they, and then they see your banner ads, following them around. If you ever go to Amazon, like that stuff haunts you for the rest of your life. That, that's remarketing. And then you got display ads. So you can run ads on websites in Google's network. So there's different ways to really slice the pie. So um, as you dive into these paid advertising platforms, really understand who your buyer is, what platforms you're using, and then dive deep into the different options. Because some people think that Google is just bidding on keywords, but it really goes a lot deeper than that. Um, and then same thing with the social platforms. You know, it's gone way beyond just Facebook advertising. LinkedIn has a really good platform now. TikTok, I mentioned Reddit, um, all the platforms have. That's you know, Twitter. That's how they monetize. And so, it doesn't matter who your buyer is. There's a platform to find them, and they likely have an advertising service that you can take advantage of. 
you know, I'm, I'm shaking my head here because there's just so much that you have to capture. And uh, like I said, I'm not a finance, I'm a finance and accounting and a communications expert, but not a marketing expert. And boy, I tell you, I need, I have local help here too, but I'm telling you, there's just so much there. I was going to ask you the first question you would ask for a prospective new client, but I, I think what you're saying is that you really, A, need to understand your target audience and the medium you want to use and then go forward from there. But is there anything differently that you would do if you're meeting a new client and say, I want to help you with your online and uh, direct mail advertising? What are the first three questions that you would ask them? Yeah. So we actually start every new client engagement off with a kickoff call, of course. Um, but we, like any business, we're always, try to, we're always trying to Kaizen the way we do things like continuous improvement. And so one thing we layered in about a year ago, I think it was two years ago, I can't remember, but is for the kickoff, we start off with a positioning statement exercise that my brother, Scott, this was his uh, idea. And so basically it's, it's really understanding. And these are your questions you asked, you know, who you are, who you sell to, what you sell and why they buy from you, what resonates with them. You're trying to get this picture of, you know, who is what you're selling, who you're selling it to, and then why they're buying from you, like what resonates with them. And if you can get those, if you can get that picture painted really nicely, it just gives you a clear direction when you're writing ad copy, writing direct mail copy, right? Really writing anything, setting up ads, because you know who you're speaking to, what they're buying, and why they're buying. And those three things are really critical. So we start every kickoff with those questions. And it's it's interesting because the business owners love it because I just love talking about the business and you know, it's sort of like a brainstorming session and it ends up with something that's really concrete for us to work with. Yeah, I would imagine budget would play a key factor as to the direction you take. So like you yeah. said, with a large company, they have much, much bigger budgets to play with. A smaller company might have something less. So I would guess that your strategies are based on what type of budget they have and what's the most uh, powerful or the quote, biggest bang for the buck. Would that be right? It is. I mean, you, unfortunately, budget does, even though like digital is, it has laid level the playing field. Like we have like our small businesses, we have the same access to the platforms that these huge companies have, but you know, they've got a lot more money to spend. So they've got different options. They can outspend us. So, and you can't be everywhere. If you've got a smaller budget, you got to really, it's um, you know, you want, you don't want to be a light bulb. You want to be a laser, you know, you really focus, focus in. And so really budget does come come down to it. Like if you were to say, well, what's like one or two channels, if I had a smaller budget, I'm probably always going to say, at least right now, like content creation and SEO because it's more of a long-term strategy. Paid is great, but you turn the credit card off and credit card off and the traffic stops. Whereas at least if you're investing, if you said just one platform, one one channel, I, I'd probably say content because you know you can create like these really evergreen guides and pieces of content that will eventually rank, even if you don't know SEO all that well. You know, it, it's help, helpful if you know it because it'll happen faster. But and then you can use that content. And you can share it in your LinkedIn, on your Facebook. You can share it within your email list. There's ways to repurpose it, um, and obviously video too. I, you know, that's content as well. So video and text content. Yeah, it's amazing. There's so much there, Ryan. I, I wish we had more time to go through that, but I told you I wanted to talk to you about your three generation company. Three de- yeah. three generations. You're the third generation, and I may have mentioned to you before we began the recording that many business owners that I meet. Unfortunately, they think that there's a legacy to pass on to another generation, and oftentimes it's not. What would you say would be the success of your family business to get it to their generation? And will they be fourth, fifth, and sixth generations in that plan? But go ahead. Why are you so successful third generation, do you think? 
you know, I think the foundation was laid early with my great uncle, my grandfather, my dad and my uncle, you know, just really just selling every day, working hard, treating everyone with respect, treating everyone fairly, team members, you know, yeah, everyone's, everyone's, you know, everyone's equal, you know, there's no, um, you know, there's no preference, you know, given to like family ever. I think that's, that's the way they started. That's the way we've carried it through. At least we, we do our best to, I think also, I mean, really, so like the, adding the digital was a way to diversify our direct mail. Not, I mean, our direct mail business is still very strong and I don't see it going away anytime soon. It's changing, of course, but everything changes. But honestly, the digital, yes, it was a way to diversify. Adding digital was a way for us to diversify our offerings, but it was also a way to make the business a little more sexier for the younger cotes that might want to come in, you know, and don't want to sell direct mail because they look at it as not cool or whatever. Um, and so, and you know, my cousin works for us now and, and my other cousins have interned. So it seems to, it seems to be working. I would say another thing that's helped too, is we all have our, we all have our roles. So when my dad retired in 2017, he, he's probably similar, similar to you. So you have a finance background or you do finance. He's yeah, very strong financially, operationally um, with him retiring, just to be candid, like it, w- it would have been a big gap for us. Cause I'm not like that. My brother and uncle aren't like that. But my brother Scott is like that, and he was working for a big travel company in Boston, and he got the itch to come to the family business in 2014. So with him in in the company, when my dad left, he just you know square peg in a square hole. You know, it's like a perfect fit. And so uh, we all have our set roles and our set strengths, and we try to we try to you know take advantage of that. And everyone stays in their lane and has their clear roles. And so I think that's if I had to summarize it in like a three minute answer, I think that would be the answer. Yeah. And I think to your point too, Ryan, is that um, you had success with having a family that can fill those roles that are needed to be filled. So I oftentimes talk with other business owners and they can't do everything themselves. So they might be a finance and accounting expert, but they don't have marketing and they don't have HR skills. So they bring in team members that can help them do that. I think what I think I hear you're saying is that you are fortunate in that your family members can fill in those gaps where you don't need to go outside the family. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. And that, that's a very good point. If you've got a small family, we fortunately have a big family. Like my dad had two brothers and three sisters and my, you know, my mom and like, we have a very, we have a large family. Um, and now me and my two brothers, we have 10 kids. My uncle has three kids. And so we're just a very, uh, productive group here. It's a very, very big family. And so um, that obviously helps, but you're not, but you know, and, and we're in marketing. So it's like, it's a business that's more attractive to people. It's, you know, it's just, it's not like we have the, the super niche industrial business that, you know, requires a very specific skill set. And so that helps us too. And that's where I mentioned before about adding the digital, because if it was just direct mail, that that's a very specific skill set. I think it would have been harder to get the family interested in coming in to work for us work with us. Um, and so the digital does expand, help us in that regard because it's social media and it's a little bit more modern, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? I, I don't know. Will my kids come to business? I actually asked them the other day and they said, no, they didn't even hesitate. They said, no. I was like, well, you don't really understand the business. You don't like really know it yet. So, but <laughs> there was no, there was no hesitation. So I'm not sure based why. On, based on, well, number one, my kids are saying the same thing. They're not going to be a business broker like I am. They're engineers and uh, they and my daughter does something totally different. So I'm not looking for my, my kids to take over my business, but uh, to your point, and, and this is back to you and your family, the fact that you've got other generations coming in, you've got younger generations with different perspectives. So yeah. They bring into the uh, the millennium viewpoint uh, where your dad is probably a baby boomer 
Um, yes. You must be a millennial too. I forget what it is. I forget what the generations are, but the fact of the matter is your family's got multi-generations with which to add perspective that I think just enhances the whole business going forward, right? That's another great point because I think I'm I'm 42. So I think I'm Gen X. Yeah. Uh, my cousin's millennial. My brother's, I think on the cusp, like 38, 40. I don't know. But but my but yeah, my dad's 67. My uncle's 58. So we have all these like different, my cousins are 22. Mm-hmm. So we have all these different different age groups that have different perspective. Yeah, I never thought of it that way, but you're right. Yeah, no, it, it's it's to your benefit, actually. And uh, one of those 10 kids you talked about, someone is going to jump into the business. Not all of them, but one. And you know what? When one joins, the others might tag along. You never know. That's one of my uh, my uh, observations of life is that over time, things change and you just never know. And, uh, you know, attitudes uh, just might be able to move in your direction. But we shall see. And we'll talk about that the next time we have you on board. Regrettably, we're running out of time here, Ryan. So the last question I have for you is uh, where can we, well, number one, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to add before we end? I guess I'll add one thing. I don't want to, t- I don't want to take the conversation in too much of a different direction, but I love talking about personal development and morning routines. So I'm not okay. going to go on a long-winded answer here. I will just say that as a business owner, even just as a, as an employee, it doesn't really, to me, it doesn't really matter. I think you need to invest in yourself and your personal growth. Um, take that very seriously because no one's going to take it as seriously as you will. And I think really, if you want to say, well, what's one thing I can do just to kind of dip my toes in? And I would say it's starting a morning routine. You're waking up a little bit early, investing in yourself, meditation, um, reading new content, learning new things, journaling. There's a different ways. There's a book you can get called uh, Miracle Morning. That's sort of started me down the whole path. What did start me down the path? And so I read that book. And yeah, invest in yourself, invest in your personal growth. It's really the best investment you can make in yourself, whether you're an employee or a business owner. Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's an excellent point, Ryan. And it kind of adds a little dimension, another dimension to the work-life balance. So you've yeah. got your business, which is work, and you got your life, which is family. But in between there or among uh, between those two or among those two is that personal development that will help the business and will help the family. So excellent point. Absolutely. Don't ever ignore. And I, and I always uh, profess that you should never stop learning, which I think is what you're saying. Personal development. Just keep that going at all times. Right. Yeah, I'm always reading. I'm, I'm actually reading three books right now. One's marketing related, one's for fun, uh, and then one's more like personal development related. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, it's funny. And one last point I'll make is that I'm an avid movie buff and I like all these classics that you probably have seen A League of Their Own, Independent. Oh, yeah. But you, but I, I now rewatch them as a different, from a different perspective as a business owner. And every movie that I now watch has some element where it's a personal development that we're talking about, family relationships, business endeavors. I mean, I look at them totally differently and there's another message that comes out, but that's me, but we won't get into me anymore. Last thing, where can we find more information about Ryan Cote? Yeah. So connect me on LinkedIn. Last name is spelled C-O-T-E, Ryan Cote. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, definitely connect me there. And then learn more about the business. Go to ballantine.com. So B-A-L-L-A-N-T-I-N-E.com. We produce a lot of blog content, a lot of video content, case studies, all of that. So you can find uh, you can find all of that at ballantine.com. Appreciate it, Steve. Thank, yeah, Ryan, thanks so much. And your perspectives are are phenomenal. And that key point that you ended with, 
that you really should spend a lot of time personal development because that's going to enhance both parts of your life, the work and the life balance. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your insight. Uh, audience, thank you so much for listening on this, uh, another edition of Building Better Business. There'll be plenty more and there's plenty that I've done before. So uh, check out the uh, library and uh, hopefully you'll benefit by some other uh, of these events. Thanks so much. Take care. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.